Welcome in yet another episode of the It's Utah's World podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Buttle, with you as always. And, uh, you know, 2020 is a funny year, Steve, because uh, I, I must admit a few weeks ago I got rather nervous um, when the cancellation of the Pac-12 occurred. I'm thinking to myself, you know, we are obligated to continue this podcast. And I do enjoy thoroughly doing the podcast. Obviously, big shout out to our sponsors, Nate Wade Subaru. Uh, 1207 South Main Street. They've uh, got a fair bit going on. We were down there last week. We'll be back there again shortly. Um, but I'm thinking like to myself, what are we going to talk about? I mean, we can, we can talk recruiting for days because that's kind of mm-hmm. your bread and butter. You dive into that realm. In fact, minutes before we uh, jumped on this podcast, you were on the phone to a, a tackle from Florida, 2022 kid that we can talk about more as the podcast uh, goes goes forward. But um, the news just keeps coming in 2020. And I guess oh. today, today more news broke, which needs to be talked about. It's, it's, it's Friday, August 28th today. And um, earlier this morning, news started circulating that the Big Ten, a conference that originally decided, in fact, before the Pac-12 decided, they were the first Power Five conference to decide that they would not be playing fall sports in 2020 and then a day or two later the Pac-12 followed suit and said look the Big Ten did it we're jumping on board these are our reasons why but news started circulating this morning Steve that the Big Ten's considering bringing back fall sport which I it's wild man it's wild it's a roller coaster is literally what it is we're literally on a roller coaster yeah, when you first heard the news, what was your uh, immediate thought? I mean, of course. Like, of course this is the news, you know. Of course this is what we get, uh, you know, two weeks, uh, a little over two weeks after uh, after the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 canceled. Like, of course this is what we get. You know, and, and it's uh, – of course it's going to be the Big Ten um, that is focused on getting back on the field. And – you know, that puts the Pac-12 uh, in an interesting predicament, right? Are, are they going to continue to follow suit uh, as they have with the Big Ten and working in accord with the conference there? Or are they going to stick to their guns and uh, and continue to leave sport competition off the table until January 1st, which was the dumbest thing uh, putting a date on it was just I, I I didn't understand that at all. But you know, again, it, the the thing to come back to is like we're still in the middle of a pandemic. The pandemic hasn't gone away, you know. And as programs are preparing for seasons, uh, there are a lot of positive tests at a lot of these football programs. But you know, they continue to move forward in their preparations for a season. So you know it. Uh, was surprising and unsurprising at the same time to see the news. Um, but I think everybody is uh, glued to what Larry Scott and the Pac-12 CEO group are going to do. And, and I guess that's kind of where my head immediately went to is, my first question was why did the Big Ten, why, why is the Big Ten now having conversations that they're potentially going to play? So what I think must have happened, and again, this is just a guess, like this isn't any insights, but I think what, so the Big Ten, the Pac-12, for whatever reason, were kind of joined at the hip when they decided that they were going to cancel, and there was new speculating that the Big Ten 
did cancel, the Pac-12 was going to follow. And again, n- nobody really knows why that was the case because they're two separate conferences with two separate commissioners and anything. I, I think what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were hoping for, or maybe even more expecting, was that the SEC, the ACC, and, and the Big 12 would follow suit. And they say, look, two Power Five conferences have done it. We should probably think about doing it ourselves. But that didn't happen. In fact, the other conferences, the Big 12, the ACC and the SEC said, oh, that's cool. You know, good for you guys. You know, doing what you have to do. But we're going to play. We're going to continue to play. In fact, we're going to – it was like days after that, the SEC put out some some significant news, and I'm forgetting what that might have been. But anyway, they had their schedule. Maybe it was their their schedule is is what they said. This is our schedule, and we're going to still play. And uh, and that obviously, you know, I think must have flustered certainly the Big Ten because the Big Ten's now having, having conversation. Do you think it's realistic that the Pac-12 would then follow in in pursuit of the Big Ten again and say, "Oh, we're actually now holding Because to me, like at some point, it's got to, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like it is. if you're the Pac-12, it's just embarrassing. Uh, again, yeah, it is embarrassing and. You know, one of our sister sites at 24-7 Sports, our UCLA site, actually reported earlier today as well in conjunction with the news of of the Big Ten making a push. It sounds like the Pac-12, according to their sources at UCLA, sounds like there are plans for a six-game winter football season. And so to answer your question, Tom, if they already have plans for a six-game winter season, which according to – uh, Tracy Pearson of, of uh, Bruin on uh, Bruin Report Online. Uh, it sounds like that would begin February sixth. That season would begin February sixth, um, and would go until March thirteenth, March twenty seventh, uh, somewhere in there. But you know, if the Big Ten does move forward and pushes for a Thanksgiving start, yeah, I think that there is a significant amount of pressure on the Pac twelve to kind of follow suit. You can't be the only conference uh, to not play football. Um, and, and granted, if they have plans, if they're going to announce plans for a winter schedule, I think it's less likely. But if the Big Ten moves forward uh, and, and approves a, uh, a f- more of a Thanksgiving schedule, I think that there would be pressure on the Pac-12 to kind of follow suit. Um, so, you know, I, it, 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 could the Pac-12 beat the Big Ten to the punch and announce a winter football season? I don't know. Maybe that's not that's not been the mo of of Larry Scott and the Pac-12. It's kind of been operating in the shadows and the footsteps uh, of the Big Ten. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it uh, is going to be fascinating to say the least. Uh, but man, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We all want football, right? Like, we cross our fingers that we'll have football to talk about, to watch, to enjoy. Obviously, with the understanding that, you know, we are still in a pandemic and safety, health and safety of the players comes first and foremost. But, man, you you just hope that we can get football back at at some point uh, over the next few months. Well, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Everybody wants football. I think they also want, you know, they want it to be safe as well. And I think that's the fans 
want it to be safe. Certainly the players, obviously. I mean, they're the ones directly involved. Coaches, everybody, everybody else within specific programs, everybody wants to be safe. And so how... Right. And again, there haven't been too many answers, which is common for the NCAA because it's just an yes. absolute... S show mess. if you yeah. it's a mess yeah there you go that's probably a little little better way to explain it but um, <laughs> like there's got to be a, there's got to be legitimate reasoning for the SEC ACC and the Big Twelve to feel pretty confident about playing this entire time they they there has to be something that they know that that either the Big Ten or the Pac Twelve doesn't know or they do know about it they're just taking it more seriously like maybe the the whole myocarditis thing. Right. Which, which, by the way, kind of, I guess, you know, people have, have stopped talking about that, uh, funnily enough. And, and it's also come to fruition that the heart, the heart virus or the heart uh, issue, my, myocarditis that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, that, that is relevant in just about any seasonal flu. Right. And so it's, no real surprise that COVID-19 also has that attached to it. But there's essentially that risk, the mitocarditis risk, anytime you get a flu, there's inflammation to the heart, the heart pump, you know, whatever. I'm not a scientist. So I'm not going to try and act like one. But um, I, I don't think, and this is just a guess, I, I have reached out to some officials up at Utah athletics and i simply said and it was via a text message and all i said was just tell me there's a chance because that's all i want to know just tell me there's a chance is there a chance and they, and the people that i've messaged they know dang well what i'm talking about is there a chance that pac-12 football comes back before the winter time before january 1st 2021 and i'm yet to hear back and so I don't really know what to make of that, not hearing back. Maybe, maybe there are conversations currently taking place. You know, I imagine that the athletic directors are holding conversations. Whether or not the Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott's getting involved, I, I guess only time will tell. But do you feel confident, and this is just a guess, Steve, that the Pac-12 could potentially play games in the fall? Or you just have no idea? Man, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I could answer this a certain way and one week I could look right and look brilliant and the very next week I could look like an idiot. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the optimistic route and say, yeah, I do think that Larry Scott and the Pac-12 are going to realize that they kind of made, uh, I don't want to say a bad decision because obviously they have the science, they have the health and safety of their players at the forefront of their, uh, of their decision. Um, and, and you commend them for that. And they were transparent um, in presenting those facts and presenting why they elected to take the route that they did, at least more so than the big 10. Right. But I think we can all agree that maybe they jumped the gun a little bit too soon uh, because we talked about this last week, Tom, uh, almost, I think it was like a couple days after they announced that they were canceling a fall season, the NBA's uh, funding of a test that would produce results in 15 minutes and, and do it in a fraction of the cost. Uh, news of that came out. And now there's a, another test 
that will be even more readily available that was just um, uh, released earlier this week. News was released on that earlier this week. And it just seems like all of these things are working towards providing a safer environment, right? And, and the thing of it is, is, you know, Utah was going to be required to test every day. Um, and with some of these tests coming out and the affordability of these tests, they would be able to do that where they would be able to, to test each and every player each and every day and have instant results um, to limit infectious rates. And I think that's kind of the key here is um, you need those tests. You need them every day, but you need results almost immediately. And so uh, that, and we, it sounds like we are getting to that point where tests are, are becoming more available, are being approved by the FDA and becoming more available. So, yeah, I do think that, I, at least I hope, I hope that we are trending the right way um, and not only that we have these tests available, but it also sounds like vaccines are becoming, getting close to becoming a thing, um, at least towards the end of the year, beginning of 2021. So we cross our fingers for that as well. And I do think, uh, you know, I'm just going to hold out hope. I'm going to remain optimistic that, you know, Larry Scott will realize this and will work with Kevin Warren uh, at the Big Ten and that they'll come to a realization that, yeah, football should be played in the fall. <laughs> well, these, these saliva tests that you talk about uh, are very relevant in this conversation. And to, to those listeners that are unaware as to what we're exactly talking about, it's, it's called Saliva Direct, one word, and it was developed by Yale University in conjunction, Steve, with the NBA and the NBA Players Association. Mm -hmm. Now, Saliva Direct is considered by many as a game changer, and here's why. Uh, it's much cheaper. It's as low as $4 a test, and I'm unaware as to what the nasal swabs are at the minute, but maybe more importantly, and this is kind of, this is kind of the, the sword I've been willing to die on this entire time, it's faster. Results can come back within a couple of hours, Steve, and, the, and, and the, the swabs, the saliva swabs, they can be handled by just about any lab in the country, according to this uh, Yahoo Sports uh, and, article. And, and to take it one step further, Tom, uh, a company called Abbott Labs, this just came out earlier this week, Abbott Labs uh, announced that they have a laboratory free so that you take the test. It does not have to be sent to a laboratory, but that these tests will only cost $5. They'll be available in 15 minutes and it's going to come with a mobile app, which kind of provides like uh, a scan code for you that provides people with uh, the, the proper equipment, pro proper scanning equipment uh, where they can scan it. And based on your test results, your previous test results, they'll be able to scan you and, and realize that you tested negative. So Abbott, so in conjunction with the saliva test that you talked about, this company Abbott also has a test where it is cheap and, and produces results within 15 minutes without the use of, without the need for sending these tests to labs. And I think this is kind of the, the game changer. This just came out, I think, uh, was, was the news on this was released yesterday, I think, August 27th. And I think this this is this is the big one for for student athletes, but also for fans 
um, because you'll be able to test um, immediately and and potentially welcome fans into the stadium. Well, the the, the report I was uh, mentioned in the Yahoo that was about two weeks old, and so yeah. I, I do imagine there was some development since then. But I've been saying the whole time, look, Steve. And I, yes. and I just don't think this is rocket science. If you can test people and get the results in, a, you know, hopefully 20 minutes. But if, it, if it's a couple of hours, so be it. It's faster than the couple of days you're currently waiting uh, on average for. A couple of hours. So you test like, I don't know, if you've got a 12 o'clock game, midday game, you'd test at 9 o'clock in the morning. Maybe earlier. Maybe you'd even go right. at 6 o'clock in the morning just to be safe. And then the results would come back mid-morning, a couple of hours before the game starts, but let's not forget, Utah arrives at the stadium like two or three hours before a game. Right. And so as people are arriving at the stadium, they obviously need to be cleared and, uh, and then hopefully it's safe. And, and, and if, you can't, if somebody tests positive, then they're immediately segregated from the group. You know, yeah. Wrap them up yeah. in bloody bubble, bubble wrap and on their, on their way back <laughs> in the home. room, go back yeah. to prison, you dirty dog, get out of here. Um, <laughs> So I think it's a fair assumption now that we're at this point in time to say pretty confidently, Steve, that the Pac-12 made a blunder, which wouldn't be the first blunder they've made. They make a lot of blunders, but this one seems to be more significant than many and most other blunders they've made. Yeah, I'm nodding my head uh, with, with great vigor here in agreement with you. Just this is, again, just rushing to the conclusion. I think that's kind of the thing that we've learned here is, you know, give it some time, right? Like give it some time. There was no need for it. You already announced your schedule and, and your schedule for football wasn't going to begin until, um, you know, the end of September and just the rush to canceling the football season when they, they had to know that these tests were this close to being approved and being becoming available. And it just, it's frustrating that this, this, has happened, but at the same time, it's encouraging that we do have these tests now available and that the opportunity for football to return is, is maybe growing. Um, and so, you know, yeah, there's going to be some embarrassment, but you know, after, after you take your, you know, your, your beatings by the media, the, that first month, we're back to football. We're ta- back to talking football and, and that's what matters most and, and what matters um, to, to all of us is that we have football to, you know, to distract us from everything, to provide us, you know, a, a sense of escape from uh, the realities that we all face right now. And, and, and to have something, a product that will bring hopefully the community uh, together and, and, and the Utah fan base, because, you know, we, we definitely need some of that right now. Well, that would swiftly lead us to our next conversation. I, I found myself in some hot water this week, uh, Steve. I guess knowingly, I kind of knew what I was doing, although I didn't quite expect the response that, that I got. I, I kind of jokingly said I was going to be a BYU fan. Just for the oh, balls. Yeah, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I did. What the hell, man? Yeah, I, I guess that rubbed people the <laughs> wrong way. But my, my, there is reason behind it. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a Utah man. I bleed red. Uh, yeah. But but Red's not playing. So, you know, what am I going to do? Just sit and watch football? I, I have a hard time sitting down. Like, I always like to cheer for somebody, which is why, you know, yeah. and granted, gambling here locally isn't legal, but back home in Australia it is. And I had an issue when I was back home, and I'd be watching sporting events because I'd love to go down to the local and throw a $5 bloody bet on 
And then that all sparked my interest for however many hours. It was a golf <laughs> event, four days. I wouldn't leave the couch. It was brilliant. But um, I always like to cheer for somebody. And, and so essentially, I was thinking one night, like, what am I going to do? Because who am I going to cheer for? If Utah's not playing, then who am I going to go with? And it's like, you know, I, I'm not going to go with Wake Forest or some team out east, like LSU. I mean, I just because there's, there's no attachment there, right? This, right. And so my, my theory... And again, I hope people that listen to this can understand. And I think that there will be some that maybe listen to this and go, huh, maybe he has a point. Maybe I'll follow suit. And granted, I'm not going to go crazy about the whole BYU fandom thing. But Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, but like, come on, like Kalani Sataki, a bunch of guys, Tuiaki, right. yeah. Fisi, the head straight coach down there. I mean, like, I'm friends with those guys. Yeah. Let's be real. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, Lavelle Edwards and Ronnie McBride were best friends. Yeah. They were best friends, and nobody gave them a hard time. So uh, I, I yeah. guess you know I'm a different, I'm I'm in a different boat because I'm not you know a state legend like they are, but but or a college football legend like I icon. But I'm thinking, and here's my other thing, Steve. Here's my other thing, and maybe maybe the most important of them all. If you like, generally speaking, in the fall when college football is being played, and we're not in the middle middle of a pandemic, I'm one of those viewers that if Utah's not playing generally I turn on the BYU game because they're just down the road sure. and it's like in, it's interesting because in the media or if you're a fan sure. you read about both teams granted yeah. I don't love watching the BYU games when they're playing like Wagner yeah, yeah no like, I might UMass. flip it on and then realize UMass like who they're playing like Ugh. I like watching football in in like HD, you know, not 720. Right. Uh, so anyway, I guess that, are... that, that was my reasoning. And so, but people won't. Let me tell you, Steve, people were oh. not happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were people in this household here where I live that, that weren't happy. I, wouldn't, I won't say names. I won't name no. names. But We only live with but, other, one other person, but don't say Yeah, names. yeah. No, not naming names here, but yeah, that person was upset. Um, but anyways, no, like... It's, you know, you, we have ties. You have ties. Kalani Sataki, uh, Coach Roderick down there as well. Hey, like, you know, and, and some of my best friends are, are BYU fans as well. And it's like, you know, it, it's not that – is it that big a deal? No, it's not really that big a deal. Like, we don't have football right now. You know, we can, we can justify it. You know, we can justify a little bit. But it, it's going to be – it's going to be – interesting because this is this is a topic that that we can talk about is who do you root for right like who do you root for now that you know football is moving forward I haven't really gotten familiar with a lot of any of the other teams uh, as you were talking about this I was I was asking myself you know who would I root for I was gonna and, ask you and you know I started going through some of the programs that I think represent Utah out east and I you know I was going through I was like Kentucky like Nah, basketball, that's just too sour of a taste. Can't do that. Uh, Louisville, uh, maybe. The Lamar Jackson-Tyler Huntley connection, maybe I could get behind that. Maybe. The Virginia Tech Hokies, you know, I don't even know what a Hokie is, but, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can go with, uh, you know, some Hokie. Uh, Hok- On rosters and seeing who I like, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to find a team out east to, uh, to root for this fall. Yeah, you cut out for a second there, but, but people got uh, the, the gist oh. of that. So you're going, you're going out east, essentially, is what you were saying. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Based on you know what we have available, I think I'm going to go out east. I don't want to. Big Twelve is just too close to home. I, Texas, I, you know, I, I'm hurt based on how Utah played in Texas last year. Uh, just sour feelings there. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> you know what was uh, maybe the, the funniest thing out of this this entire scandal that kind of appeared was. I, you know, I was expecting Utah fans to be like, you suck, you know, or whatever. Like, go home, like, get back yeah. to Australia. We don't want you here anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, like, I've heard that before. Thank you. But I had a large number, Steve, of BYU fans that were legitimately like, yeah, we don't, we don't want you to support us. And I was like, oh, Wow. I was oh. like, I, I, I didn't even know if I expected The disrespect. That. Yeah, they were wow. like, yeah. The no, disrespect. You, we're good, man. We're, we're good. And I was like, okay. I Dude. guess like 2015, those comments really hit home. Really? They, they hit home and they left, they left a mark. Literally, as we're talking about this, I just got a tweet from uh, eSims311 says, someone go tell Tom Hackett to hold off on the BYU tattoo, please, hashtag, please God. So <laughs> even while we're talking about this, we're still getting responses about your, your BYU fandom right now. That's crazy. Oh, it's funny you, stuff, anyway. You've <laughs> <laughs> managed take, to break people, the hearts. <laughs> people take life very seriously, and I guess I need to remind myself about these things because I, um, I try and not – do that i try and kind of just like go about things pretty easily and uh nonchalant i don't know if you maybe i don't know if you meant to do this tom but you're literally wearing a red and blue shirt i don't know if you coordinated this if you planned that's that's amazing just the signs man the signs are everywhere it, it is Friday, as mentioned earlier in the podcast. I've worn this day every day. I've worn this shirt every day this week. So uh, I didn't plan it. I just, don't, I just don't, <laughs> I don't shower or uh, do any laundry. You're a dad. You're a dad now. This is dad life. Yeah, I'm just trying <laughs> to survive. Um, anyway, we can move forward. Uh, some recruiting news. Let's get to that before we wrap things up. You're on the phone to yeah. an offensive tackle. He's a 2022 kid, though. You're just getting a feel. You've right. been doing that a bit lately, you said. Yeah, so I was on the phone. I've been on the phone with quite a few 2022 prospects just because, uh, you know, in light of Coach Whittingham's comments earlier this week about the potential impact of the NCAA's decision uh, in regards to um, eligibility, the blanket waiver, and kind of the impact that could have uh, on recruiting, that that can that could potentially really impact um, recruiting in 2022. So I've been interested in talking – and reaching out to a lot of these prospects uh, in in twenty twenty in the class of twenty twenty two, uh, just to kind of gauge how hard some of these programs are recruiting them, and you know, not much has really changed. Uh, a lot of programs are still recruiting these kids hard, uh, just like they would in, in normal years. So I think what that tells me is that while we don't know for sure what's going to happen in twenty twenty two, you just kind of have to continue to move forward. Uh, as the status quo and expect 
maybe a change, maybe some adjustments to be made down the road in regards to eligibility. But, uh, you know, in talking to these kids, I've, I've talked to, uh, like you mentioned, the offensive tackle out of Florida, Miguel Saucedo. Uh, he's a four-star offensive tackle prospect, uh, has a, quite a few offers. Really impressed, really impressed by him and, and uh, how he kind of conducts himself. Uh, was very uh, informative with his thoughts and, and very uh, just just a, a pleasure to talk to. So talking to him, I talked to Zeke Berry out of De La Salle, which is a top high school program in the country that produces a lot of talent. What's what's amazing, and I talked to, to a few others uh, earlier today, what's amazing is the brand of Utah football has really kind of taken hold across the country. Uh, Zeke Berry talked about, you know, he knows Utah has produced – uh, they're they're the top program in the Pac-12 in producing NFL talent over the last three to four years. He he mentioned that literally word for word, and he loves the defensive staff, loves the tradition. Uh, I just published an article before we started uh, recording here about Zeke uh, and and what he shared, and has is really impressed by the defensive staff and what they've been able to accomplish at Utah. So, based on what I've learned, I think. You know, it's going to continue to move forward as as it currently is with recruiting. You know, kids are still going to be recruited. We'll see what happens with this dead period and how long this will go to. Coach Whittingham, you know, talked about the dead period could potentially go through the end of the calendar year, uh, and we'll see see what that means. But juniors, uh, you know, they're uh, they're focused on just kind of getting better and biding their time and and kind of waiting this thing out. So uh, should be should be. You know, an interesting ride for these 2022 kids. Utah's got quite a few 2022 prospects in the state. Uh, Lander Barton, uh, Ice uh, Moa, the son of Ben Moa, the great Utah tight end from from uh, t- the early 2000s. He's another prospect in the state of 2020 or in the class of 2022. So, and Utah's doing really well. So they're uh, they're recruiting well, and you know, not just that, but we might Utah might get on a little recruiting hot streak here in the next couple of weeks tom that's exciting because uh coach whittingham has mentioned uh, in fact in the recent press conference he did earlier this week he talked about how excited he was and then the week prior during the podcast i brought up how i'd heard rumblings that coach whittingham feels as though this is maybe the best recruiting class since the the team the program joined the pac 12 so um, yeah. If they can continue to add, continue to, to gain momentum. Look, the good news is, uh, really the only good news that I can think of surrounding the pandemic and the time that we're currently living in is Utah was meant to be an okay team. And they were, look, I, the, in the AP and the coaches, maybe a few other polls, they were a top, top 25 team, which I personally thought was generous. Um, yeah. And again, I guess those polls, uh, as of right now, quite irrelevant because Utah's not going to be playing until supposedly February or so next year. But um, long story short, uh, they, they, they're still coming off two back-to-back Pac-12 championship yes. games. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to assume that they probably weren't going to make the Pac-12 championship game this year, or, or the likelihood of them doing so was certainly less than the years prior. And so... They, they can use that momentum that they still have and say, hey, look, we've gone to two back-to-back championship games over the last two years. And I think that's a positive for the recruiting side as opposed to playing yeah. games. 
you know, maybe not performing as well and, and losing some of that momentum, really the only positive out of this entire pandemic would be that they can continue to utilize the back-to-back championship game conversation with yeah. the and see if they can sway them that way. But um, Yeah, absolutely. No, you make a great point. And, and, and to that point, they're, they're going to continue to hammer that home. And not just the South Division titles, but their success in the NFL draft, you know, having seven guys drafted. And now you've got other guys like Tyler Huntley, who's balling out in Baltimore that you can point to and say, hey, look what, you know, we were able to help him develop and, and do, with, do with him. And so, yeah, all of that helps. Uh, and I think I think they'll they'll start to really kind of move forward, capitalize on that momentum over the next couple of weeks. There are a few guys that you know we at twenty four seven Sports and Ute Zone we've got our eyes on that could potentially commit to Utah over the next couple of weeks. So should be fun. Uh, Ute the staff has worked extremely hard despite some of the restrictions and despite some of the the hurdles they've had to go through. The staff has worked really really hard to kind of put together this class to this point. And, and they'll start to really kind of gain some momentum, I think, over the next few weeks and months. Steve, how many times are you playing golf a week? Bro, I, I think I broke my back. Like Mike Tyson, he, I broke my back, spinal. <laughs> I, you know, I think <laughs> I did something to my back. I had to go to the chiropractor. So I've been out of commission. Uh, you know, I, I've been playing as much as I, as I was a couple weeks ago where I was playing like 36 holes a day. Wow. Um, but, you know, I got out today, first time back on, on, on the course, and it was awful. I was all over the place. Horrible. What I think I lost I, – I just played Glendale, which really says something because that's – you know, it's, it's difficult, but, you know, compared to some of the other courses in, in the area, it's, you know, it's fairly easy. It's open. Yeah. It's forgiving. And uh, somehow I managed to lose, like, six balls. Like, uh. it was awful, man. It was a frustrating round, but – I was just glad to be out there and swinging away, hacking away at it. I'm very jealous. How about you? But How about you? Uh, I don't get to play much. I play once a week, really, about once a week. <laughs> I'd be lucky to play more than that. Generally, I'm a weekend warrior on the golf course, and I get there out there and hack it. I did have the best round of my, li- of my life, that's right, and season. But uh, last weekend up at Ogden, I shot a 75. Three over par. I was even with two holes left. I don't know how I had three birdies. Wow! And it was, and I wasn't. I didn't even feel like I was playing that well. Anyway, that's, that's a conversation amazing. for a, another golf podcast that we need to wrap our minds around. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm getting up to Mountaindale this weekend. I'm excited for that. Love that course, man. You're gonna have a lot of fun up there. That's my favorite course. And I'm walking, so wish me luck because that's gonna be a workout. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll be back next week uh, with hopefully. Some promising news. We're going to continue to dig into whether or not the Pac-12 is likely to start holding at least some initial conversations as to whether or not playing football in the fall is realistic uh, following suit uh, in which the Big Ten started uh, started to do this morning. So uh, we, we've got our fingers crossed. We're hopeful. In the meantime, Steve and I both send our love. We appreciate you guys a ton for listening, and we'll be back next week as promised. See you, Steve. See you, Tom.